Welcome to Gateway Church's podcast. Wherever you're tuning in from, we hope you're encouraged by today's message. So we're in a series that is really the most famous series that God's ever given me and the book that's going all over the world, but it's called The Blessed Life. And I just want to remind you that if you've heard this series before, I was thinking about this. It's like um, Debbie and I like to watch movies, but we've gotten to where we're, we're very careful now about watching new movies. I don't know if you've noticed this, but they've got an agenda to them, you know? <laughs> and, and you go to watch the movie, and before you know it, you're, you know, you're thinking, you know, they've got this agenda, but I'd kind of like to know how the movie ends, uh, but I really don't want to watch it anymore. And so what we do a lot of times is we watch movies that we've seen before that are like classics, you know, and maybe they're even 30 years old. And what's amazing is we basically remember it, but as we're watching it, we think, I don't even remember this part. And I've seen this movie five times now. Well, it's possible that in this series, even if you've heard it before, and even if you've been here for a while at Gateway and you've heard it two or three times, it is possible, and especially since we're going to be talking from God's Word, that you might hear something you've never heard before. Is that true? So I just want you to really tune in and let the Lord speak to you, okay? All right, so let me tell you where I got the title for this week's message. I got the title for this week's message through something that, from something, I should say, that I used to say a lot when I was in school. So the title of this week's message is, What Test? <laughs> Do any of you relate to me <laughs> as a student? <laughs> you walk into class and everybody's got their books out and they're all studying and they say to you, are you ready for the test? And what do we say? What test? Okay. So I, I didn't do that well uh, in school. Um, but I did, I'm proud of myself, I did graduate in the top 10% of the lower one-third of my graduating <laughs> class. So, see, I'm good at math, so I was able to figure that part out, all right? Okay, so, but do you know, most believers don't know this that God, not a man, not a preacher, but God established a test for all of his children, and you take that test, this is why I named it what test, because a lot of God's children don't even know they're taking the test. You take that test every time you get paid. And the test is, whom are you going to thank for your paycheck? Another way to say it is, whom are you going to worship? Whatever you do with the first 10% of your income is the person or the company that you're thanking for your income. Because God set aside the first 10% to go to his house. And he didn't do it to support his house because he can send manna from heaven or water out of a rock. He did it so he could build faith in your heart and in your life and so he could bless you. So he could actually open the windows of heaven over you. That's why he did it. So you take a test. He wants to see if you'll believe that 90% with God's blessing will go farther than 100% without. 
So he gives you a test. So, so let's just put it this way. Whom do you thank? But do you thank Visa? In other words, uh, whom do you pay first? Because the first check every time I get paid goes to Gateway Church. Um, let's, let, me, let me ask, let's take a little poll. How many of you get paid um, every week? Every, all the campuses, every, all the groups, let me see your hand. You get paid every week, okay? How many of you get paid uh, twice a month? I'm going to see your hand. That's probably most, okay? How many of you get paid monthly? Can I see your hand? Okay. How many of you never get paid? Can I see your Okay, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. But if you get paid, and whenever you start getting paid, you're going to take a test. And that test is, what do you do with the first 10%? So let me show it to you, and let me show you a passage in Malachi 3 that is probably the most famous passage on tithing. The word tithe, by the way, comes from a Hebrew word, and it means a tenth, 10%. So, all right. So I want to show it to you, and I I want us to stop and look at it a little bit on each phrase, because this is the Bible, all right? So Malachi 3, we're going to start in verse 6, says, For I am the Lord, I do not change. Now, we're starting this with what's called the immutability of God. That means he cannot change. The reason God cannot change is because if he could change, he could get better, and he can never get better because he's perfect. So he can't change. But I just want you to know that the God who started tithing can't change. A man didn't start this. By the way, I'm going to show it to you today, 500 years before the law. Next week, I'm going to show it to you 2,500 years before the law. I can even give you an analogy of it in the Garden of Eden where God said, you can eat of every tree except that one. That one's mine. And here's what God said. You can do anything you want with the 90%, but the 10% is mine. And I can show you the scripture where he says, the tithe of everything is mine. I'm going to show you the scripture today, okay? So, I am the Lord... I do not change. Does everyone agree that God doesn't change? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Okay, so stop telling me that's Old Testament. Or that's under the law. Do you know what else was under the law? Don't murder. So do you believe now because you're under grace you can murder people? See, it's crazy. Uh, Don't commit adultery. That was under the law. Do you believe that we can do that now? Don't steal. Do you believe you can steal? Don't lie. Do you believe you can lie? Okay. Yes, tithing was under the law, but it was 2,500 years before the law. It was after the law. It's 41 times in the Bible, the word tithe, and over half of those are not related to the law. Over half. And it's even in the New Testament eight times. I I remember one of these guys when I used to read the criticism about me on on the internet, and I don't read it anymore, But um, I I was reading it, and this guy said, I can't believe he preaches on tithing so much. The word tithe doesn't even appear in the New Testament. And I thought, what Bible are you reading? (laughs) It's in the New Testament eight times. I mean, it's crazy. And one of those times, you ready for this? It's in red. (laughs) 
I am the Lord, verse six, I do not change. Now this next part's funny, but we don't see it as funny because we don't, but I just want you to think about it. Listen to this, I do not change, therefore you are not consumed. Here's what he said. Uh, I don't change, and that's the reason I haven't killed you yet. (laughs) Because I'm merciful and gracious, otherwise I would have already killed you. Oh, sons of Jacob. Yet from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Okay, we gotta talk about that for a minute. You've gone away from my ordinances. You remember, I've been teaching you, how do you figure out the meaning of a word? You go to the root of the word. The root of the word ordinance is ordinary. And when you put the A and C, E on the end, it means a principle. So the word ordinance means a principle of ordinary behavior. So this is what God is saying. He's not even saying here you've gone away from my laws. He's saying you've gone away from my principles of ordinary behavior. And this passage is going to talk about tithing. So what he's saying is you've gone away. Tithing is an ordinary principle of behavior for my children. It's just, this is just ordinary principle. It's an ordinary principle for my children not to commit adultery. That's ordinary. Now, they're humans, so they may make a mistake, but it's an ordinary principle. It's an ordinary principle for my children not to lie. That's ordinary for believers. It's an ordinary principle for them not to steal. It's an ordinary principle for them not to murder someone. That's an ordinary principle. It's an ordinary principle for God's children to return the tithe to him. That's, That's what this passage is going to tell us. It's like if you live in a city, they might have an ordinance to keep your grass cut. What they're saying is, in our city, it's an ordinary principle for people to mow their yard. Are are y'all following me? So what God is saying here is, and this whole passage we're about to talk about is tithing. He's saying, this is just ordinary for my people. This is just ordinary. Okay. You've gone away from my ordinances, my ordinary principles, and not kept them. Watch what he says. Return to me, and I will return to you. And then I underlined every time this passage says, says the Lord of hosts, because I wanted you to know that God is speaking, and this is the God who cannot change. This is the God who can't change. But you said, in what way shall we return? And God said, I'm glad you asked. Verse eight, now this is God speaking, remember, this is not a preacher. This is not Malachi, he's writing it, but this is God speaking. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. Now, I want you to remember this because we're gonna come back to this because I never could figure out, I could figure out if God set aside the first 10%, how we could rob him of the tithe, but how could we rob him of an offering? And I wanna show you, we'll get to that at the end of the message, because it is the kicker for the whole thing of what God's trying to tell us here in this passage, right? And then he says, you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me. Now, I wanna explain something to you, okay? God is not cursing you. And you are not a bad person if you don't tithe. You're not a bad person at all. You might just not, you might believe like some, well, that's Old Testament, we don't have to do that, or that was under the law and we're not under the law. I understand all that, okay? So you're not a bad person. 
But what he's saying is you're putting yourself back under a world's system, economic system, and therefore you're under a curse. Because I have a whole biblical economic system, and that puts you under the blessing. So he says here, you're under a curse. He doesn't say, I'm cursing you. He says, you're putting yourself voluntarily back under a cursed economic system when you do this, when you don't tithe. You have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes, all, by the way. Y'all know what the Hebrew word for all means, don't you? Yeah, all. Okay. (laughs) Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. That's the church that there may be food in my house. Okay, let's stop for a minute. Do you know the number one, which I love to hear this, but the number one compliment I hear about Gateway Church? People say this, I, we get fed at Gateway Church. We get fed. Would you, would you agree? Do you feel like you get fed, the word? Okay. We get fed at Gateway Church. Look at this. He said, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Do you know why you get fed here? Because about 70%, which is the highest in the nation of Gateway Church tithes. That's the high, we're the highest church in the nation. It's shocking. Do you know what the average is of people that tithe that go to church? You ready for this? 10%. That's the average. 10% of the average church pays for 90% of the ministry. And 90% pays for 10% of the ministry. Now, the highest giving churches in America are at the the 50% mark, 40 to 50% of their attendance ties. And Gateway's over 70. So you're doing wonderful. So I'm not preaching this because Gateway Church needs money. I'm not preaching this for our sake. I'm preaching this for your sake. It's the only reason I've ever preached on this, okay? Bring all the tithes that there may be food in my house. I don't think people have ever even thought about that, spiritual food. And try, and some versions say test, and some versions say prove. This actually is the Hebrew word, which is the way you prove a metal to see if it's pure or not, okay? Prove me or test me now in this. In other words, God says, tithe and see if I'm pure. And see if I'll do this. And then I underlined again, says the Lord of hosts. Just want, just can we just ask one more? Did you mind if I ask you, who's talking here? God. So God is saying, test me. I dare you. I dare you. Give me 10% and see what happens. I dare you. By the way, scripture says, let every word be established by two or three witnesses. Okay, this is my 43rd year in the ministry. So I've got a little bit of experience under my belt, 43 years. I've heard two testimonies for 43 years about tithing. All tithers have the same testimony and all non-tithers have the same testimony. And again, I'm not trying to be, if you're not a tither, I'm not, not, I'm not at all putting you down because maybe you don't understand in this area and I understand this area, but maybe you understand in another area that I don't understand in, okay? We're all at different stages of understanding and growing in the Lord, okay? But here's what all tithers have told me for over 40 years. Their testimony is the same. We are so blessed. We are so blessed. Since I started tithing, I'm so blessed. All non-tithers give me the same testimony. Pastor, I can't afford to tithe. 
I would love to tithe, but I can't afford to tithe. Please hear me. You will never be able to afford to tithe until you tithe. You'll never be able to afford to. Because you're under an economic system that's controlled by the enemy. And as soon as you start to want to give something to the church, your washing machine will break. Or your car will break. Or, or something will happen and insurance won't cover it. Because you're under the wrong economic system. You need to get on that. And here's what he says. Watch what happens right here. He says, test me and see. Watch. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And, and, that's kind of like if you call right now, <laughs> and I will rebuke the devourer, watch this, not even for the kingdom's sake, for your sakes. Would it be all right with you if God rebuked the devil for you? Instead of you standing in a room shouting at the devil, would it be all right with you if God said, no, she's a tither? It's right here in the Bible. And, and I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, in other words, your income, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Who, wait, one more time, who's talking here? God. And is this the God who can't change? Okay. And all nations will call you blessed or you'll have a blessed life. For you will be a delightful land, says, oh, y'all, that was horrible. <laughs> says, okay, I didn't make this up. I'm reading you what the Bible says. By the way, um, when you look at this, uh, tithing removes the curse, rebukes the devourer, and restores the blessing. And for you young preachers here, there's a three-point message right there, and they all begin with the letter R. <laughs> it's a, just a, it's a gift that I have, by the way. <laughs> removes the curse, rebukes the devourer, and restores the blessing. Now, here's the problem. This is in the Old Testament. It's in the last book of the Old Testament. It's 12 verses from the New Testament. 12 verses. Because there are six more verses in this, in, the, in Malachi 3, and six in Malachi 4, and then Matthew 1. So one day I said to the Lord, Lord, the only reason I preach on tithing is because I know it helps people. And the number one com the reason that I hear people saying they don't tithe is because it's, it's in the Old Testament. So here's what I said to God. Couldn't you have just waited? 12 verses to put this in the New Testament. Here's what I feel like. Here's the impression I feel like the Lord said to me. He said, I put it right where I wanted it. You want to know why? And this is point number one. Because tithing is a test. It's a test. What test? Title of the message. God is actually testing your heart. What do you think God thinks when you argue about tithing? Okay, and let me put it another way. When you stand in church and say, Lord, I just give you everything. What, 10%? Oh, no way. 
I'll give you 100%, but not 10. See, it's a test. It's a test. Do you know the number 10 represents testing all through the Bible? Uh, let me just show you a few, all right? I'm gonna ask you a question. I want you to answer out loud every campus, every gathering, even if you're at home alone, okay? And you can even answer if you're driving down the road. Be fine with me, okay? All right, I'm gonna ask you a question, and then you just tell me, ready? Here's the question. How many plagues were there in Egypt? Ten. Okay, I could have asked you, how many times did God test Pharaoh's heart? And it would be 10. But everyone knows how many plagues there were, okay? All right, let me ask you another question. How many commandments are there? Okay, now I'm gonna ask you another question and you might not know the answer, but there's a pattern here. Okay, how many times did God test Israel in the wilderness? By the way, that's Numbers 14, if you want to read it. Numbers 14, he says, I tested you 10 times in the wilderness, okay? All right, here we go again. I'm going to ask you another question. I think you'll know the answer. Say it loudly. How many times were Jacob's wages changed? God was testing his heart. How many days was Daniel tested? How many virgins were tested in Matthew 25? Louder, how many days of testing are mentioned in Revelation chapter two? How many disciples were there? No, there were 12. I was just, te I was just testing you. I was just, I was just testing. So. It's a test. It's just a test, okay? Okay, now remember we talked about that Yes, it's in the Old Testament, but it's also in the New, and I'm going to show you references. But then we also say, yeah, but it was under the law. Okay, it's foolishness to believe that because something was under the law as a Christian, you shouldn't see it as a principle. It'd be foolishness, as I said, to think, well, adultery, that's under the law, and I'm a Christian, so I can just commit adultery all I want. That's just crazy. It's foolishness to think, well, lying was under the law, so I can just lie all I want. That's, just, that's foolish. It's the, it is the most foolish argument I think I've ever heard because it was under the law. If it's bad under the law, like lying, then it's good now under grace. In the same way, if it was good under the law, like tithing, now it's bad. And remember, it was before the law. Okay, so let me just give you an example, okay? Um, Thomas, uh, give me your wallet. Yeah, just give me your wallet. <laughs> just give me your wallet. All right. Okay. So I'm going to keep this because, see, stealing is under the law. And I'm a Christian. I'm under grace. So I can keep this. Does that, does that make sense? No, of course not. So I'll give it back. There's not even any money in it. What did you do? What'd you do? What did you do? Everybody's laughing. What'd you do? You took your money out? I told you before the service I was going to do this illustration, and you took your money. Okay. I'll get you back. <laughs> I will get you back for that. Okay. Number one, tithing's a test. 
Apparently not for Thomas. He's smart enough to take his money out. All right, number two, tithing is biblical. Most people don't believe it's biblical. Let me just show you a few, but I can't go through all 41 in the time we have. Genesis 14, verse 18. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, Salem means peace, brought out bread and wine. This is the first example or analogy of communion in the Bible. And Melchizedek represents Jesus. He was the priest of God most high, and he blessed him, he being Jesus, blessed him being Melchizedek, and said, blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies in your hand. And he, Abraham, gave him, Melchizedek, and a, a, a representation of Jesus, a tithe of all. Okay, let me explain. This is 500 years before the law. And Galatians 3 says that Abraham is our spiritual father. Our spiritual father tithed to a person who represented Jesus or was Jesus himself. Theologians really don't know that this could have been Jesus. But tithe, and Hebrews sets it up like it is Jesus because it says he's without genealogy and he didn't have a beginning of days and he doesn't have an end of life. It's pretty amazing. And yet Abraham tithes 500 years before it's in the law. It's amazing. Genesis 28, verse 22. This is 420 years before the law. It's talking about Jacob. And this stone, which I have set up as a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. Here we have Abraham and Jacob tithing four and 500 years before it's ever in the law. Do you know why? Because murder was wrong 2,500 years before the law when Cain killed Abel. It was still wrong. But it wasn't in the law until 2,500 years later. Murder was wrong before the law was ever written. I'm telling you, tithing was right before the law was ever written. Leviticus 27.30, and all... Remember what all means. All the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. In the Hebrew, it means belongs to the Lord. It is holy. The word holy means set apart. It is set apart to the Lord. God set apart the first 10% for himself. Deuteronomy 26 and it shall be when you come into the land which the Lord your God has given you as an inheritance. This represents becoming a Christian and you possess it and dwell in it, that you take some of the first, this is all about the tithe, and I'll show you in a moment where it uses the word tithe, of all the produce of the ground, in other words, you take the first of your income, which you shall bring from your land that your Lord your God is giving you, or from the job the Lord your God gave you, and put it in a basket and go to a place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. Now listen to me, that's church. It goes to a place where God chooses to make his name abide. There it is right there, okay? All right. Verse 13, then you shall say before the Lord your God, I have removed the set-apart tithe, the holy 10% from my house 
and also given him to the Levite, that's the priest, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. In other words, how the church distributes those funds to help people. According to all your commandments, which you have commanded me, I've not transgressed your commandments, nor have I forgotten them. I've not eaten any of it when in mourning. In other words, I didn't use the tithe when I had a difficult time doing, you know, going through something. Nor have I removed any of it for any unclean use nor given any of it for the dead. I have obeyed the voice of the Lord my God and have done according to all that you have commanded me. Look down from your holy habitation from heaven and bless your people. The only way you can ask God to bless you is when you remove the holy tithe from your house and take it to his house. That's what we just read, Deuteronomy 26. You can pray that prayer and ask God to bless you when you remove the set apart, all the tithe of the land is the Lord's and is set apart to the Lord. When you remove it from your house and take it to his house. Now, I have a question for you. If Jesus himself said that you ought to tithe, would you tithe? How come y'all didn't say yes? Okay, let me ask you one more time, all right? Let me ask these people over here, because y'all didn't. <laughs> if Jesus, and I'm just joking with you, if, I'm gonna ask all of you, I'm gonna give all of you a second chance. Hey, everyone, everyone. If Jesus himself, the one who bled and died for you, said you ought to tithe, would you tithe? Matthew 23, verse 23. It's really easy to remember. First book of the New Testament, 23, 23. First book of the New Testament, one, two, three, two, three. Okay, that, you, some of you are like, I have no idea what that means, Pastor Robert. <laughs> it's how you remember things. Okay. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. This is in red. This is Jesus speaking. Hypocrites. For you pay tithe of mint, anise and cumin, those are spices you put on your food, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others, which is justice, mercy, and faith, undone. But here's the point. He said, you tithe on everything. And then he says this, you ought to do this. You ought to tithe on everything. But don't leave the others, plural, justice, mercy, and faith, undone. Now, one time when I preached that here, here at the church, a guy said to me after the service, and he was very nice and he was very kind. Uh, he was not mean in any way. He said, I feel like these you ought to have done uh, refer to justice, mercy, and faith. And I said, well, grammatically it doesn't because it's a plural subject, so you have to have a plural object. So grammatically, it doesn't. But, um, and even in the Greek, it doesn't. I can read it to you from the Greek. Literally, I can, literally, I can read it to you from the Greek. I can. By God's wonderful grace, uh, I did get a good grade in Greek. Okay. But, but let's just, I said to this guy, you're so nice and so kind about it. Let's just say you're right. Let's say I'm wrong when it says these you ought to have done. Let's say that refers to justice, mercy, and faith and not tithing. But I said to him, what's the rest of the verse say? 
And he said, he thought, man, I opened up. I said, let me show you. I said, read it. What's the rest of it say? He said, without leaving the others undone. I said, I got you either way. <laughs> Even if these you ought to have done refers to justice, mercy, and faith, then he said, without leaving the other undone, which is tithing. Are you all here? Or are you just sad that you came this week and you're thinking, I shouldn't, have come, I shouldn't have come this week. I shouldn't have come this week. I shouldn't have come. Because he is making a really good case. Okay, and here's number three. Tithing is personal. It's personal. And you know who it's personal to? Jesus. To Jesus. And I'm going to tell you why. So let me give you an example that you'll probably never forget. Uh, so let's see. James, will you stand up? And Thomas and Lorena. All right. So um, you know what? Uh, you, yeah, uh, Thomas, you go stand there. James, you come over here to the left. I'm putting Thomas on the end because I'm, I'm going to get him back. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's just say that I said to the three of you, I'm going away for a while. I'm going to go away on a, on a trip. I have to go away for a while. And I provided for Debbie, but I want to provide some additional funds for Debbie. But what I want to do is funnel those funds through the three of you, okay? So I'm going to give each of you $10,000 a month. Yeah. Now, this is just an example, Lorraine. Don't get that excited. <laughs> your, you're already figuring it up, aren't you? You've got it worked out in the budget. Okay, all right. So it's just an example, okay? But you have to give my wife 10%. But you can keep the 90% and do anything with it you want. You can do anything. $9,000 a month, okay? I just want you to give her $1,000 a month. Just 10%. So after a few months, I'm talking to her every day, you know, because I love her. So every day I'm talking to her. And so then one day I just think about it and I say, hey, um, how are they doing with that $1,000 a month? And she says, well, Jane sends $1,000 a month, just like you told him. January 1st, February 1st, March 1st, April 1st. I mean, it's there just like clockwork. Lorena, though, is sending $2,000 a month. And I say, really? I, I don't even, I, I wonder why she's even doing that. I just told her $1,000. Why, why? I wonder why she's sending $2,000. I don't know. She calls, she checks on me, she sends $2,000 a month, she sends me cards, letters. She's just been fantastic. So that's great. How about Thomas? <laughs> Told you I'd get you back. So she says, well, we need to talk about Thomas. The first month, he sent $700. The second month, $400. And last month, nothing. Okay, I'm just joking. Y'all can set it back down. But okay, here's what I want to ask you. I don't want you to ever forget this analogy I just used, okay? What do you think I'm going to do with the money I'm sending Thomas? I'm going to stop sending him that money. You know why? I can't trust him. So I'm going to send it to James and Lorena because I can trust them. And if you don't think Jesus would do that, read the parable of the talents. Just read it for yourself. And that's Jesus talking. And let me explain to you why I said it's personal. That's my wife. And I'm the one giving them the money. It's coming from me. 
and I just asked them for 10%. I told them they could keep the rest. You say, well, I don't know if this analogy works or not. Well, let me just give you a little more to make sure it does work. Jesus said, I'm going away for a while. And does the Bible call the church, oh, the bride of Christ? Tithing is a little more personal to Jesus than what you have thought. So now let me just share you one more thing. How could God say we are robbing him when he owns it all? Well, I can see it upon the word tithe because he said, I've set that aside. But offerings, aren't offerings voluntary? So can I tell you something maybe you've never even thought of? You're not robbing him of money. He's got plenty. You know what you're robbing him of? According, go back to Malachi 3 and read it. You're robbing him of the opportunity to bless you. That's what you're robbing God of. See, he's got all the money in the world. Cattle on a thousand hills. All the gold, all the silver belongs to God, the Bible says. He's got law. So when he is so upset that he says, I don't change, I'm still merciful and gracious. That's why I haven't consumed you yet. But you've gone away from my ordinary principles. And they said, what ordinary principles have you gone away from? He says, returning the first 10% to me and offerings. And what you're doing is you are robbing me from the opportunity to open the windows of heaven over you and to do, rebuke the devourer for your sake and to bless you. You are robbing me. That's how you rob God. Think about that. You are robbing me from the opportunity to bless you because you simply won't trust 41 times in the Bible that I said, to return the first 10% of your income to me. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want to tell you again, the only reason I'm preaching this series is because God specifically told me to. And I'm preaching this series, I promise you, to help you. And God implemented tithing, not for his sake, but for your sake. I promise you. I promise you. So what's the Holy Spirit saying to you? And I know many of you are very good people, very good believers, love the Lord with all your heart, but you've struggled in this area. We would love to pray with you. We'd love to pray with you if you're struggling in any area or if you just have a prayer request. So at every campus, we're gonna have people at the front. Many of our gateway gatherings now, we have people to, to be able to pray with you afterward, all right? So if you need prayer for any reason at all, and again, it might not even have anything to do with the message. Don't let it, don't think, don't let it come in your mind. Well, they're going to think that I don't tithe if I go forward for prayer. Don't worry about what anybody else thinks. But if you need prayer for any reason at all, then in just a moment, when we open it up and we have people at the front, you just come to one of the people at the front and just say, 
I need prayer. I just got a, a report from a doctor or I'm going on a job interview or whatever it is, or I've always struggled in this area. And I don't want to struggle because I can see it in scripture. I want to give the first 10% to God, but it's hard for me to do that. I've got my budget worked out and I'm trying to retire at a certain age and I, I get all that. I get all that. But I promise you, this is an ordinary principle in God's word for God's people. And I promise you, according to God's word, he will open the windows of heaven over you and rebuke the devourer for your sake, which also means your kids' sake and your grandkids too. So if you need prayer for any reason, in just a moment, let us pray for you. Lord, I want to tell you, thank you that you implemented an economic system for our good and for our sakes. And I pray, Lord, that you will help every one of us to walk in your economic system. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to connect with us, text CONNECT to 71010 or visit gatewaypeople.com. We hope you have a great week.